This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome everybody back to the Paddle and Fin Network. This is the final cast. I'm your host, Josh, and I've got Brian Schiller with me tonight. Brian, how's it going, buddy? Good. Yourself, man? I'm doing well. Doing good, man. It's a long day at work, especially after the full past couple weekends of doing the uh, boat show. But, you know, um, it's good to jump on and do another pod. I did one last night. And so, Jeff, uh, we have Jeff Little of Torquedo with us tonight. Jeff, how are you doing? doing well good good uh contacted jeff i think it was what thursday or friday it's like jeff are you interested in coming on man and doing an interview and he was like sure let me check and he's like how's about monday and i'm like that works for me man so but uh we're really happy to have you on sorry brian go ahead i already no 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 i was just gonna say yeah absolutely jeff somebody that i've always wanted to talk to uh you know the torquedo is uh a very interesting tool in the kayak fishing world for sure. And, um, I'm, I'm super interested in being able to pick his brain a little bit on, uh, Torquedo tonight and, uh, see where the conversation takes us, man. Cool. Ultimately it's, it's, uh, it's a tool that, that leads you to more, more of your time with your line in the water, whether you're getting to your spots quicker, um, whether you're you're river fishing and running upstream with it and then floating down, you don't have all that time wrapped up in doing a float trip or if you're trolling. I mean, I do, my background is a lot of river smallmouth fishing, but some tidal largemouth in and around D.C. And then we have the Chesapeake Bay, so I've done a lot of striped bass fishing. So Nice, nice. A lot of, a lot of different applications there. I mean, you know, we're... You're using it to hold in place because of the current. Um, I've actually 
I can't say I've won uh, a bunch of tournaments using it because the tournaments I've done have all been river bassing and they didn't allow them. Um, okay. But I, I, I love fishing the, the Susquehanna River uh, nice. by, you know, when that river gets up and really gets cranking, uh, there's, there's nothing like, you know, getting at the base of a class three rapid and just letting the motor hold you within easy casting distance of just chucking square bills into the white water. Nice. Um, that pulls nice. out a lot of, a lot of big smallmouth. So. <laughs> I've heard nothing but great things about the Sasquahana. I've always wanted to fish that. It's just like phenomenal for smallmouth. It's, um, it, it's, it's biomass is always impressive and it has changed over the years. If you go back to, uh, Two, early 2000s, I remember um, you could go up there and, you know, you can get 30 or 40 of them that were 16 inches or better, but it would be rare to break 19 inches. And then it shifted where we had some poor, uh, poor spawns and, and big gaps in year classes. Uh, and what it led to was not a lot of fish but the ones that were there were old giants and uh i'd say it peaked for big fish um where all that biomass was stacked in in into two or three year classes of big dominant fish um it, it really i'd say it, it peaked and i don't want to say the best of it's behind it but it was really good four or five years ago and um that's that's when jed Plunkert and I won back-to-back um, river bass and tournaments up there, and we, the two of us as a team, set the record for um, the team total for nice. river bass in all time. That's going up against all the rivers, all this big spotted bass and the largemouth down south. We did, we did that with brownfish in Pennsylvania. So it was. Um, 123 and three quarter inches on six wow. fish. Wow. And, wow. and one of those was a, was a six pound, 10 ounce giant that actually wasn't the longest, but it was, it was the heaviest. And it was, <laughs> you know, it, thankfully it was, it was my personal best heaviest that I've ever caught. And I did it during a tournament, but, but that river, you know, it's funny. We have, I grew up, um, North and west of, of DC. So I grew up okay. riding my bike about a eight mile, you know, uh, bike ride to Swain's Lock on the on the Upper Potomac. Uh, so I grew up fishing the Potomac, and you know, after college, um, I we lived sort of we lived closer to the Potomac, um, and now we're sort of equidistant, but splitting between the two. Uh, I can, you know, in an hour and 10 minutes, I can be in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania on the Susquehanna and an hour and 15, I can be at Point of Rocks and That's I never awesome. touch the Potomac because, because the Susquehanna is that much better. Yeah. And I, I, I can't explain it, but it's just got more, it's just got a really impressive forage base. A lot of crayfish, a lot of, um, mad toms and halgermites and sculpin and, you know, it's just teeming with life. Like you get to certain areas where you look down at the, the bottom of the river in certain places and 
you get dizzy because the entire bottom of the river is just moving. Like everything <laughs> is it's just crayfish everywhere. So that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, locally we just had uh Helgramites kind of make a comeback. Um it was pretty much they were wiped out in the kind of southwest Ohio area. I, I'm not familiar with how it was in other places, but it took a really, really steep decline. And then the um, the local like conservancy district, especially around the little Miami, which you got to fish when you came to Loveland, yep. um, when they started buying up a lot of the land and replanting trees and buying the, the land that kind of helped keep the trees from being torn down, that sort of thing. Um, it started to make, a, they started to make a nice real solid comeback from Caesars Creek down. And it's kind of right. cool seeing, you know, things like that happen and seeing everything kind of bounce back. They started removing a lot of the low head dams <laughs> and the, the Dayton and Cincinnati area, like between the river systems between there. And uh, it's helping a lot. You know, a lot of people kind of complain because they had areas that were like rocky areas that they fished are kind of now muddy. But it's it's good because it's not silting up like one spot. It's kind of evening everything out instead of only having like one or two good spots. It's actually starting to spread out and you're starting to see you're starting to see some big fish in areas that were just trashed, like, you know, like industrial wise, like the pollution was so bad and you know, the fishing in the river was so bad that just, you know, people kind of stopped doing it, you know, besides the places that, you know, at the low head dams and, and, and eventually that just caused all the population decline from everybody pulling fish out. But I have a big dream to come out to your river, man, and fish. We've got a buddy of ours, Eric uh, Richards, who lives out by there. And we're always like, Eric, when are you going to invite us out, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. I've actually fished a little bit here and there in, in your part of the world. Um, I can't even tell you how many years ago, but I was a guest speaker for the Buckeye United Fly Fishers. Yeah, that's coming up next um, weekend. Yeah, I I was one of their speakers. I, you know, I guess someone there found either the book that I wrote or back in the River Smalley's days, you know, I was following the articles I was I was putting in there but they had me come out and talk and i fished i said i'm coming out but i i gotta fish i gotta catch an ohio smallmouth you know yeah <laughs> um nice. so i drove out from maryland and i think i um somebody put me on that stretch from the on uh on caesars from the dam down and yeah. uh i mean it was late november and I, I caught a couple smallmouth but it was i fished there and i fished um i, I went and i filmed with kurt smith's um, I think the summer after he won the national championship and kind of documented um, the rig and the the technique and you know how he won that um, that national championship. So yeah. nice, very cool. Well, yeah. you want to uh, you care to give us like a uh, brief history of Torquedo? <clears throat> um, the history is is that two two German guys that that like to go boating on Lake Starnberg, which is an electric only lake. Um, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, they're actually product. They were product engineers for Gardenia. So like spray nozzles and gardening supplies, that, that company, um, that's who they worked for. And, you know, but they, they spent their weekends on Lake Starnberg and they looked at the electric propulsion options and said, 
it's not good enough. We can come up with something better. And they were two smart dudes and they did. And everyone kind of, it kind of turns everyone's heads when they see, you know, a boat scooting by it at a, you know, a clip a lot faster than anyone had seen. And, you know, you know, people tracked him down. It was like, where'd you get it? Well, we made it. Well, would you make another? And then another and another. And then they're like, we got to quit our jobs with Gardenia and start, as it were, Torquedo. Um, which Torquedo is a, is a play on words with, you know, with torque. Uh, it is a high torque motor. And the yeah. design that they came up with, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, um, you know, this Skype call chat with uh, a laptop here and I, and I can hear a little fan blowing to, to keep it, you know, from overheating. Whether it's that electric motor for the fan or a Minkota trolling motor or, or any other electric motor, the basic design is that you have your, your copper coils, you have a magnet that goes in the middle, you apply electricity in that magnet and anything that's fixed to it spins. That could be a fan blade, a propeller, an actuator, whatever it is. When they invented the the torpedo motor, they inverted that relationship. Instead of putting the magnet in the middle, they put a bell housing around the outside. And the bell housing had magnets all the way around. So there was more magnets in use. You know, there's there's a more more magnets, more of that interface with the the copper coil. Uh, and the, you know, so more more magnets is more torque. But the magnets they use were not the ferrite magnets you see in in a regular trolling motor. The rare earth magnets, which are crazy expensive. Okay. Uh, but they're also six times more powerful per weight. So another magnification of torque. On top of that, more magnets. They're more powerful magnets, um, and that just creates a, a tremendous amount of torque. What you do with the torque is you express it in a, a propeller blade that doesn't have a moderate pitch. You have one that has a really aggressive pitch. So every turn of that, every rotation, it's taking big bites of water and putting it behind it. Um, and that that's why, you know, when you're out there, and I, I've been out in the middle of the, the Chesapeake Bay with, with buddies, and, you know, we're catching, you know, we had been on stripers and, and catching them, and we turn around, and here comes a storm, and I'm like, we got to get out of here. And uh, I know that they're going to paddle at about, <clears throat> you know, maybe in a sprint they would touch five mile an hour, but they're going to maintain about four mile an hour. Um, and I can get out of there at 5.7 mile per hour with my setup. Uh, but I look at them and say, all right, Jed, all right, Bear, and this is before they got motored up themselves. I'd get one on either side and I'd grab the bow of each of them and say, we're going to we're going to get out of here together quickly. And it would go from 5.7 down to about 4.9. So you're not losing a tremendous amount of speed, wow. even though you've tripled your weight. Yeah. Um, and you only do that with a high torque motor. You know, it's, it's ability to push a lot of, um, <clears throat> of weight and maintain, you know, maintain speed is, uh, <clears throat> is what sets it apart. It's actually yeah. a, a low RPM motor compared to gas motors or trolling motors. Trolling motors spin fast and they take lots of tiny bites, whereas the Torquedo, I don't want to say it, it it's you know it, it's just a lower RPM, but like I said, taking big bites of water and putting it behind it. 
That's interesting. So is is like you mentioned um, those magnets are super expensive. So is that like a good chunk of the cost when you're buying a, a Torquedo, so to speak? I know, you know, your That's battery and electronic setup is, you know, yeah, something. Lithium batteries, lithium, yeah. you know, the lithium cells themselves um, get better energy density each year and you could say they get less expensive, but it's it's more about, you know, how much energy you can put in a certain amount of space that, that a cell takes up. Um, sure. It's got other things, like there's a GPS unit in the battery that tells you your speed on the throttle, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but you could get that with your, you know, with your depth finder. Why mm -hmm. do you need to know your speed on your motor? Uh, you, there's other ways to do that. The reason it's in there is that it's one of the three pieces of data that the the brains of the Torquedo uses to calculate your remaining range at whatever throttle setting you have it at. That's, that's critical. With a trolling motor, um, it's sort of like driving a car with a busted gas gauge. You don't know how long it's going to last. Yeah. You get a sense <laughs> of it. You think, yeah, it's been three days since I topped it off but my gas gauge is busted. I don't really know when this is going to die. Sure. Um, <laughs> with the Torquedo, it's sort of like the newer cars that have the the thing, the readout that says you have 283.4 miles until, until empty. Empty, right? yeah. Uh, it takes your speed with the GPS, the remaining battery percentage, and the watt draw. So basically okay. how much power is coming out of the battery to make it go whatever speed you're going. And it calculates to the 10th of a mile how much remaining range. So say, for instance, and, and I like um, I like using the example of um, of running offshore. You know, I, I know you guys don't do a lot of offshore fishing. And although you might, I mean, Great Lakes, right? Stay, yeah. Stay yeah, yeah. here out on Erie. Or, or and you run four miles out to a reef on on Erie, right? And you've used up the you know the the battery going back and forth to the point where you have say forty percent of your battery remaining, and you think, okay, I got a time to get back to the weigh-in. Um, how much you know for the distance I have to to make that, or the time I have to do that four miles? Um, am I going to make it in time? And am, am I going to, I want to go as fast as I possibly can and, and stay out there as long as I possibly can. So say you're, you're mashing it and it says you only have 3.8 miles of, of range and you have four miles to go at full speed, 5.7 miles per hour. You back it off to like 5.6, 5.5 instead of going full speed you just take a hair off and you can see that remaining range number grow up over four nice interesting so it really gives you a very specific um remaining range which which is another way that it gives you more time with your line in the water that is you know it's just more efficient time um, yeah another way that i've quantified it though and this was a, a fun video i did years ago um on the river is I, I had a power pole and I stuck the camera up on it and I just filmed myself fishing um, without the motor. I think I did, you know, 10 minutes of fishing. 
and I just let it run and I set a timer and then I stopped and I, and I recorded it again. Then I used the motor and put that nose up into the white water and just started, you know, chucking crankbaits and whatever. And I actually caught fish during the second one. I didn't in the first, but the, the point is I was looking at, um, at how many more casts you get by not going paddle, 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 cast, and I'm and backsliding as you're yeah. as you're reeling it in. You just go cast, 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 cast. Instead of paddle, 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 cast, paddle, 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 cast. You go cast, 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 fish on. Like it just it it does translate to you catching more fish uh, yeah. in different ways on different fisheries. But you know it was a it was almost sixteen to one. Wow. wow. That's so crazy. What is that going to do? If you're, if you're power fishing, you know, you're, you're multiplying your, your efforts times 16. What does that do to your catch rate? You know, right. it's, it's pretty profound. So yeah, it's and interesting. You can, and you can run the Torquedo in a sense, like a trolley motor on a lake as well. Right. Like you can knock down the power to be really slow in combat wind just sitting in a lake as well yeah um <coughs> i do a lot of my a lot of my fishing at 0.8 or 0.9 miles per hour um to give you a sense of if i have a really efficient um hull that's that you know it does well on uh and we can talk about which which hulls are more or less efficient uh later but um you know, at one mile an hour, I have a range of 130.7 miles on on some of the better, longer 14-foot hulls. Yeah. Um, so to give you an idea, you know, if you're bass fishing, yeah, you may go at full speed to get to the spot, and you're burning through that that battery fairly quick, but then once you're there, you're, you slow it down. Um, but the longest day that I've had with it was actually striper fishing in much of that day was just trolling looking for this was early season up on the susquehanna flats all the way at the top of the chesapeake bay um a lot of trolling at about 3.2 miles per hour i mean hours and hours of trolling at 3.2 miles per hour straddling a you know um a channel drop off with a yozuri flash minnow on one side of a shallow diver and deep diver diver on the left and just out there with my head on a swivel looking for birds you know you, you you wait to see the birds dropping or maybe you just get lucky and intercept them on that on that drop off so hours and hours at like 3.2 miles per hour up to maybe four um and then sometimes you see the birds and you you bring in your lines that you're trolling and you haul ass and get to them you 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 know you go for a mile and a half two miles because you see something happening uh and you go at full speed um, the longest day that I did doing that, I covered 25.3 miles. Wow. That's Still crazy. had 5% left in that, that 915 watt hour battery. So, you know, it's, it's a mixed, you know, you, you can burn through a 915 watt hour battery in, in two hours of just running at full speed, but nobody fishes like that. So, yeah. Right. It's a mix a mix of you know intense throttle use and then you know somewhere in the middle and and a whole lot of you know what would be 
about the speed of of a really slow walk where you can just continually cast and hit each little pocket the same as as a bass boater does with his trolling motor on low just hitting each each thing as they come to him on a bank or on a on a grass line or whatever you know whatever they come to next so yeah. so have you helped in any kind of design work with any of the motors so far um the motors know the mounts absolutely um when it's been about two and a half years uh that i've worked for torquedo and i was um one of the pro staffers before and you know the, the, we had the ball mount before which about a year ago we came out with the a mount which is has that four bolt pattern same as the power pole that you see on the stern of a lot of different boats mm -hmm. um and we developed that mount really uh, to, to fix some of the deficiencies and the instabilities of the ball mount, but also looking ahead saying, hey, we're, we want to not just have this, this one horsepower, we want to be able to put that three horsepower motor on kayaks. And uh, that's, you know, that was just looking ahead two years, two and a half years to say, okay, that's what's next. But in order to, to do that, we have to shore up and, and have that, that mount, that base, super stable and super strong and rigid and able to handle, you know, triple the power. So I went to Germany. Um, <clears throat> the German, well, I'll, I'll back up and say I, I, um, I've worked with a lot of different American companies on prototype testing and, and product development from Wilderness Systems to um, St. Croix Rods, Kokatat, Yak Attack, um, a lot of different different companies that I've been able to to provide feedback and get gear and test it. And, and when it's a prototype, your, your job as the prototype tester is to break it, to find ways yeah. to break it. I mean, not, not in abusive ways, but in hardest possible um, use. And uh, with that mount, for instance, it has a reverse lock. And I said, all right, um, here's one way I know that, that people will could possibly break it. Uh, I'm going to find a, a log that comes up to, you know, um, you know, within six or eight inches of the surface. Run at that thing with the slack line into the trim adjustment. To use that um, first lock the rest of the day, you just take it home, put that you know stainless steel on the vice, bend it back, stick it back. It's gonna but I had to do that to to figure out um, you know what would break. Um, I stuck that prototype for for the AML. I can't even say so what we're really working with is. You have a range of of height of the mount, you know, where the mount sits in relation to how close it is to the water, and you had to figure out, well, what's the right length of pipe? And we actually changed it from the 403, uh, the the precursor that had the the ball mount to the 403A. We made it 
10 centimeters longer. Why is it 10 centimeters? It's 10 centimeters because I tested it on pro anglers and big rigs and wildy attacks and radars and bona fide SS, you know, new canoe pursuit. Like I just, I ran the gamut. I have a lot of different kayaks and I've worked with different kayak manufacturers saying, I need to get my hands on a feel free lure. I need to get my hands on a vibe sea ghost. I need to get my hands on all these different, you know, Kaku kayak, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I will put this, the motor on anything, but it was in developing that aim out um there are tall stern kayaks and then there are ones that are very low to the water the bonafide ss127 is one of those taller stern kayaks needs a longer pipe uh wilderness systems attack uh 140 is one that's fairly squat fairly low to the water and you don't need as long of a pipe um so it was things like that to figure out what's the right pipe length um as an example but it was other things like getting the motor lift right. And we get to do it all over again with the three horsepower, which is everyone wants to say, oh, cool. I can just get the pylon for the three horsepower and slap it in my one horsepower mount. No, <laughs> it, it'll <laughs> rip it apart. <laughs> the big That's... motor will rip it apart. Yeah. So, you know, it was another mm, 14, 15 months. I think it was about a 15 month timeline from when i got the first three horsepower prototype to well to now and it's it's not out yet but it's next month okay so that the three horsepower is a lot of fun um most boats are hitting six and a half uh the one boat that is is way out ahead of all the others in its efficiency and its its speed um is the wilderness systems attack 140 uh it hits 7.1 with me in it and i weigh 225 pounds i've seen someone who's 155 pounds have my attack 140 with that three horsepower torpedo ultralight 1103 it's 7.8 wow so it's pretty quick in a kayak i'm just saying it is it is (laughs) you're like it's a lot of fun I need racing gloves and then goggles now. Yeah, goggles, <laughs> roll cage, yeah, flame retardant suit. No. Uh, <laughs> Jeff's like, I didn't know we were going to start having people wear helmets at tournaments, but we do. <laughs> well, there there are some safety considerations in there, and one of the things that they that they put in with this new mount um, is is steering limiting pins. So as you as you, with the um, with the one horsepower, you can you can get up to about 180, little shy of 180 degrees of motor rotation. Okay. Uh, with the I don't even know what the number is. I'm gonna guess. Say that the three horsepower maybe only gives you 110 degrees of rotation. There's steering limiting pins there. That's so that you don't turn that motor at 90 degrees on a very narrow stern kayak gun it and log roll yourself yeah. into the water um they they thought through that and they've they've tested it they tested it i tested it i've yet to throw myself out of the boat uh prototype testing i've tried um saying it can't happen but that's why it has a magnetic kill switch that always is attached to your life jacket did you get um, close um, 
Not really. I would say I've had the um, I've been closer to to flipping um, recently in the in the last year coming in from a surf launch than I have with the Torquedo. Um, you know, I, I also have a, a background in, in whitewater paddling, um, so I'm I'm pretty stable um, it, and that really comes by um, by having the training, you know, taking yeah. whitewater classes. And I, I taught an ACA class for about 10 years that was paddling skills for for kayak anglers. So if, Makes sense. if anyone is interested in learning some paddling skills, uh, I will put it in a little bit, a little plug for um, my YouTube channel. Uh, it's called The Little Stuff. In the first DVD I ever did, I did four DVDs. Three of them are, are river smallmouth based, but one is called uh, River Kayak Fishing Skills. Um, if you look up, you know, River Kayak Fishing Skills DVD, you'll find my um, my page. Watch it. It's um, it's everything from river safety to logistics of, of running a float trip to uh, doing a rock brooch to learning how, you know, intentionally flipping the boat so you learn that point of no return um, to pattern development and forge assessment and maintaining boat position. All of these skills that help you become a better river angler. Um, and a lot of them are paddling skills. And, hmm. and yeah. even if you're using a motor, none of that goes away. If, right. if you don't have a good brace, if you start you know, tipping over and you can't take your paddle flat against the surface on, on the side that you're falling down and mash down on it, punching down to bring your boat back up underneath your, your weight, you're, you're not safe out there. So yeah. getting some whitewater paddling skills, I say whitewater, it's important for even someone who's out. Um, like I think of, I think of Matt Ball on that tournament, up on Erie and he, and he flipped, he was just in really rough water and it can happen to anyone, but it, it happens to people who have training less than those that, that don't have the training. So. And I'll attest paddling to, this is important. Yeah. I'll test the video that you're referring to. Cause I remember when that came out and I, I watched it and learned a lot, especially with um, paddling techniques and things of that nature. And it was amazing the amount of stamina that I would have left for a trip, like by changing how I was actually paddling. Like one of the yep. things that really stuck out with me was where you were talking about when you insert your blade in the water and to give it like, yep. like a split second, because when you sit there and crank, you're causing so much turbulence and it loses, you lose the efficiency of a single paddle stroke each time. And that, that stood yep. out me big time man it made everything much more durable i mean i had also upgraded to like a, a better paddle like a lighter one but that one single technique kind of changed how like how i felt like at the end of the day even i wasn't nearly yeah. as fatigued and you know, my back stopped you, stopped you turning. also you're also more stealthy yeah when when you're not when when you go right into the power phase and you and you don't you don't get a good clean seal on the back side of that paddle blade before coming back um yeah it saps your energy throughout the the you know the duration of that that stroke but it's also making this this churning noise that uh 
may but may not be in a, a natural location for that the fish that are around to hear that's that kind of noise like sure if you're at the base of a rapid and you do that well it gets lost in the white noise of white water but if, if you're if you're in a lake somewhere and all of a sudden they hear white water out in the middle they're like that's not normal so yeah. stealth um if, if you're if you have good form if you if you have a good catch and, and insert that blade cleanly like you talked about um you know yeah you're you're preserving your energy you're making your own energy paddling last longer uh but it's stealth is also part of it yeah but a lot of stuff like that in there in that um in that dvd yeah it's it's a good it's a good video series um i was super stoked that you had released something because i've been i'd been following you since oh i want to say you used to do these youtube videos and i don't know if it was kayak bassing magazine or something somebody else took it over after you stopped doing it i remember watching the videos of you with your kids and it was back when you were talking about the dragon heads and that sort of thing and i was like and then when you started and you kind of kind of i saw that you didn't disappear but like like I was having trouble, like kind of finding out your information, like what you were releasing for a while. And then when you came out with the little stuff again, I was, it was pretty refreshing and it was cool to see you start. Cause you, there's a lot of knowledge that you have. I remember talking to Nate and, uh, Nate's the, one of the guys that you fished with that hooked into the, uh, mythical walleye on, uh, the little Miami. And he was telling me how much yep. he learned from paddling. Oh my God. That was <laughs> such a huge fish. <laughs> that was a giant that was that was the the biggest walleye i've laid eyes on like it was like all of us were just like i know he was sapped for the day i know he was he was just like but the rest of us were too like kurt kurt smith's was like you know 25 feet away and i'm 10 feet on the other side and both of us watched it happen and we're just like we're just thinking, yeah, you got a you got a big carp or a flathead or, or and then you we see it come up and we see the mouth and the head on this this walleye. We're like, oh my god! <laughs> and enormous. they're rare. They're kind of rare, like in that river. I mean, we have saw guy, but it's it's very kind of infrequent that you hear anybody catching like a true walleye around here, and especially one of size. So when I heard that well, story, I was cracking up. To, to know what i'm talking about like he he was drifting he was standing up in in his kayak and we were all fishing the end of this pool but like we have a good pretty solid class two rapid behind us and in you know he's he's starting to get sucked down when he when he hooks into this fish and he's fighting it and he like he brings it close after a good fight you know it and he doesn't know what what else to do because he's standing up like i don't think he had a net or anything and he tries swinging it he tries <laughs> swinging it into the boat not just I did. not knowing I did. what else to do i did he snaps that. his rod and and he drops you know he drops down in the kayak and and the line the line snaps and the rod breaks all on one and and then and, and at the same time we see this cavernous mouth come up out of the water and just go yeah just say, excuse me i'm the biggest walleye any of you will ever see bye-bye that's crazy that's an experience that's awesome um so like 
in regards to like mounting options, is Torquedo like the supplier for the mounts or is there other companies? Is there other things you recommend for that? So when I went to to um, to Germany to work on work with their engineers on designing it, they were their design um, process is totally different from how American companies do it. American companies, you know, hey, let's all have a let's take Survey Monkey and 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 pick everyone's brain and have a brainstorming session, just spitball ideas. Germans are not like that at all. They have a meeting and say, we're going to set the functions. It's going to do this and this and this and this. It will not do this or this or this. One of the things that I had lobbied hard for, um, for it to do, but it lost out when, when they started you know, saying, okay, it's going to tilt from this angle to this. It's going to have a stove function. It's going to, you know, and so forth. Um, I didn't get it to be stackable where you have the mount and the power pole and then the torpedo. Mm-hmm. I lost that that battle. Like, <laughs> logistically, it was it's a tough thing to do. And I knew right. as soon as they said no, I said, okay. We're going to go forward with that, and and we'll bring that to market. Meanwhile, the whole time, I'm like, you know, all right, who can I get to solve this problem in an aftermarket mount? First person I, I worked with was uh, Daniel Reach with, it was Easy Mount, and now it's Primal. Um, he came out with a, a power pole in Torquedo, and also one that, that fixed some of the other issues that um, that the that the ball mount until our mount came out uh, that the ball mount had in terms of getting the motor deep enough. Um, Trey Leach was another one. He's a welder local to me. He actually makes rock guards for the um, the ultralights. He's made one for the one horsepower. He's got one coming that I've prototype tested for the three. Um, in fact, I was at his shop today uh, picking up a an upgraded or a, um, a newer you know, generation two of the rugged inline mount. Um, so we we put the the power pole on there, and then we have the torpedo on the back. And I'm going to test it with the the three horsepower. That's coming up probably day after tomorrow. Uh, but I'm taking that rig. Um, down to it's uh, a dealer in southwest west virginia it's uh steve gunter gunter's uh logo works in sports um he's on the kanawa Um, okay i've not been to a shop yet but um he and i are gonna um take the prototype 1103 and rig it on he has a native titan 13 and we're gonna put foot control steering on it um I've done a Titan once with the three horsepower, and it was it was at Big Adventures at at Native's headquarters or Liquid Logic, um, their headquarters in North Carolina, and I rigged up a it was a Titan 12, uh, and I and I put a video up on of that setup um, with foot control steering. Um, I put that up on Torquedo Kayak Fishing. That was one of the the videos of it, like spinning around in circles and crossing its own wake and looking crazy on, you know, they, they got a lot of videos or a lot of views on that video, but we're getting ready to do that with the, with the native Titan, uh, which is a nice one because you have, 
So say here's your 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 footwell. You have the width here where here in the middle you have your your pedal drive, right? But you have the width in the sides with the Titan that you can steer with your feet, the foot control steering. And it doesn't interfere with what you have going with the pedal drive. Same nice. thing with the Pro Angler. I've done the foot control steering on a Pro Angler, and then you have the room in the middle with the Mirage Drive. You can also do that with a native Titan. Uh, and we're Steve and I are going to rig that up. But I'm bringing my Pro Angler with that Power Pole, that innovative sportsman Power Pole, and it's it's a rugged inline mount, Power Pole and Torquedo mount in one to kind of show that and to show my foot control steering on that that Hobie Pro Angler as hey, this is, this is what we want to end up with, but we're going to do it on the native. So, yeah. And Very cool. You know, that's a lot of what I end up doing with, with Torquedo. I mean, my, my job is I'm a sales manager, um, but I have my hand in, in product development. I certainly have my hand in marketing it with all the different videos I do on Torquedo kayak fishing. Um, you know, and I also run all of our, our trade shows. Um, and I, I do not um, manage the Team Torquedo anymore. That's actually Matt Balls, our, our Team Torquedo manager now. Um, but I can't, I can't do whatever I do with this to, to the degree of success I've had with the motor in, in the sales without Team Torquedo. Without guys like, and right before this, you know, this call, it was Sean Boggs, you know, hitting me up saying, hey, I got one more dealer for you to talk to uh, here in Ohio. I'm like, cool, I will follow up with them tomorrow. So nice. it all it all kind of works together. And it's 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 kind of a cool job that I do a little bit of everything. I don't you know, I'm not just a sales manager, I'm, you know, marketing, product development, all of it. Yeah. So, which you can do that in a, in a small company, which, you know, Torquedo is big worldwide, but here in the U.S., I think we're 16 employees. So wow. maybe not as big as, as people would assume. Yeah. So uh, you said that 1103 wasn't available, but it's coming out next month. That's correct, right? Yep. So they're manufactured in Germany. Um, part of the product is a lithium battery and part of, um, the logistics of, of selling and distributing a, a lithium battery containing product is, uh, is, um, hazmat precautions, you know, right. uh, lithium can be a very dangerous material to work with. Um, but we, you know, in the shipping, um, you know, you have to use a freight carrier and they have to be hazmat certified and there's a lot to it. But when they, they bring them over from Germany to the U.S., they, they float them over on a boat. They, they don't um, stick them on an airplane. You know, how you're, how many times you asked about lithium batteries before you get on a plane to go right. somewhere. Um, and, and the reason is if you, you know, if you have a lithium battery fire, they're really hard to put out. Um, and that burn, that, said, stuff, that stuff burns through like anything, doesn't it? Pretty much it when does. it lights up. Yeah, that's why they don't want it on a plane. Um, yeah. 
but it's it's the one thing that that Torquedo, you know, people ask, you know, and you even asked at the beginning of it, well, the the rare earth magnets and the GPS, um, you know, those are all expensive parts of it. Well, the other expensive part of it is um, safe uh, battery management systems. So mm -hmm. the brains of a battery where it has fuses that, that you know, can sense, ooh, it's too hot, shut it off, or this set of um, lithium cells has more power in them than this one does, that's not safe, shut it down and take it to service. All these things to make sure um, the waterproof case is actually one that like if there's a fire inside, it cannot burn its way out. There's like a ceramic, ceramic component to that that plastic case. It's not like rotomolded plastic that if you have a fire inside of a, <laughs> a kayak call, it just shrivels into, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty unique case. So the, the, Lithium battery safety is a is a big part of that. But yes, they're hmm. um, the first set of of the the three horsepower ultra ultralight 1103s um, are supposed to be here the end of February. Those have already been <clears throat> sold and accounted pre-sold and accounted for a month ago. Um, yeah. You know, and that's what I told everyone at the beginning. I said, you know, yeah, they'll be here in early 2020, but uh, not for you if you don't <laughs> pre-order in November, December. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, I tried to drive that home, but, you know, we're, I think we're 70, 70 motors into pre-selling them. So that's a, that's a good number. For well, sure. we were talking a little bit earlier, and you wanted to go over some uh, winter smallmouth fishing tactics, that sort of thing. You care to elaborate yep. and give? Because I'm I'm gonna be all ears here. I'm not gonna really try to interrupt you. I'm gonna try to learn as much as I can. So don't mind me sure. being a sponge. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, going back to when I first started um, river smallmouth fishing in in you know water that was um you know low 40s upper 30s and and now i've caught them down you know as cold as 32.6 of course people catch them through the ice so whatever you know it, it's that's a good thing to think of if you're out there in flowing water in winter and you think wow this is hard and and they'll never bite you're already beat you know you, you have to believe you know they will eat um that positive mental attitude is a huge part of it, and it's it's uh, it can be difficult to maintain. And there's a that first cold water fish though is a big hurdle to clear. Once you catch one in cold water and it happens, and you're like, "Cool, I just experienced it. I just did it." Uh, you get that, um, you know, you you give yourself permission to believe. Does that make sense? Like you're, yeah, yeah. you you give yourself, um, you know, that that faith, and that faith is something that that keeps you on point. If you can mentally be there, that in a way that you think, yes, they're there, they're right there, and I got this hair jig, and I'm gonna put it right there, and he's gonna eat it. Um, and and you believe it. If you believe it, and then you're you're on point. 
you're focused. And when it happens and you feel that, maybe you feel that little tick, maybe you don't. Maybe you just feel the line kind of get a little mushy. Whereas a second ago, you 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 felt there's a bear jig head on a rock down there and I can feel that that solid static connection or or whatever it is. You just know, hey, something felt, just feels different than it felt a second ago. I'm swinging on this. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I started, I, I had help. Um, I had someone who had been, River smallmouth fishing. Uh, this was this is the early days of riversmallies.com. It was Brian Weirchuk who took me out on the main stem Shenandoah, and he said, "You know, you've never caught them in you know in December." And I was like, "No, I just kind of I always stopped in you know October, <laughs> maybe early November." He's like, "Come on, we're gonna go do this." And uh, I had a really good first day um, of of cold water river smallmouth fishing with Brian because Brian gave me the gift of putting me in a place and saying, put your tube in that eddy right there. And you're not leaving this spot until you catch a fish. There are fish in there, Jeff. I, I know this river and I know that's a spot you're, you're, there's always fish in there. And then, uh, you know, I, I think it took me, 35 40 minutes but i i caught a 19 out of there it was the first you know i think it was in 41 degree water nice and, which isn't crazy cold but it was a start it was a start for me and you know i went on a tear that day that was the biggest i caught that day but i got a lot of you know uh 17 and three quarter and, and mid 18 inch fish once i figured it out and not just in that hole uh and it sort of opened the you know the floodgates of oh my god this is <laughs> this is you know this is better than than the other three months combined you know because you you have this understanding that it, it's yeah sure it's difficult but when you do get that bump in in and it's been four hours since you felt anything you know um it, there's nothing like a jig bite but a jig bite in winter is so much better like it's just a higher high to to feel that rush of of nothing's happened and all of a sudden pop and you're just like oh hell yeah <laughs> you know, that that feels really good Heck yeah. um in terms of what you're in terms of what you're um you're putting out there i mean what baits to use what um you know you can you can bottom bounce with jig head and soft plastic you can bottom bounce with jig head and hair. Uh, you can suspending jerk bait fish, which I'm usually I'm I'm really happy with Lucky Craft Pointer that does not suspend, but instead sinks at about this rate. Can you see my finger moving down? Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the rate that you want it to. Sink. It's moving, but it's hard to tell that it's moving. That's the perfect uh, suspending jerk bait. Is the one that eventually gets to the bottom, and it'll sit on the bottom with that dialing bill here and the rest of the body, including the treble hooks kind of pivoting up. And that's how I've caught my biggest smallmouth in winter with a Lucky Craft Pointer 100 with that diving bill just resting on the bottom. And the thing that I want to, to drive home about Winter River smallmouth fishing is that it is not about enticing a bite. It is about setting a trap. 
So if they come up on it, especially big fish, you know, if it's constantly moving, they, they'll look at it and be like, yeah, nothing's nothing's moving that fast. Yeah. You know, unless it's in a crazy warming trend and the river's rising and you had a warm rain and then everything is stirred up and they're eating. But that's that's a rarity in winter. Um, more often than not, it's you're putting it somewhere and you're putting some some you know scent on there so it it smells right to them i like the the liquid mayhem is is good stuff yes i get thumbs up I like that. yeah <laughs> that stuff's awesome man <laughs> you know you, you put the stank on there and you put it in a place where where you're confident there are fish and and you wait for it to happen you know it's it's almost like bait fishing you know it's almost like going back to you know <laughs> You know, farm pound largemouth fishing where you catch a couple bluegill and stick one on a hook out there and you wait for the bobber to go under. You know, it's 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 it, it, that makes it seem less glamorous than than winter river smallmouth fishing with hair jigs, but it's it's true. It's it they these fish are, um, especially in winters winter they're scavengers much more than they're active predators. They they want to they're more likely to pick up dead stuff off the bottom than they are to chase something down and eat it, you know. That's a good um, point. Yeah. So small soft plastics. I use a lot of Z-Man stuff. I use small stuff like I'm I'm using um oh what do they call them the TRD bugs and the, the oh, micro yeah. finesse jig. I did it. I did a really nice video um, in between Christmas and New Year's that like got crazy amount of views on on. Uh, I put it on Torquedo kayak fishing, but it was on um, it. It was on um, fishing that Z-Man micro finesse jig, um, which is basically the the ned rig head with a very small skirt and then i use the trd bugs on there nice. um, i've used the <clears throat> what are the little trd craws i've used uh the the streaks which is like a like a fluke but like i use the the small one the one you okay. might use for drop shot fishing yeah i think it's uh like three and a quarter instead of five um small stuff and i you know, you mentioned earlier um, <clears throat> some of the videos I did for for kayak bass fishing back in the day that that YouTube channel. Um, you know, where I started using and I a I started confidence baits, which is you know we made the dragon heads and we made the little tubes and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, it was it was me and my buddy Roy, and I've I've backed away from that. Um, I kind of sold my interest in in confidence baits. Um, years ago and uh but but the little tube was a perfect example of um going with a smaller profile and, and the reason being they and i'm not saying they won't eat big stuff but i've i've i i feel like they nip at things i don't know whether it's so cold that their 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 jaws kind of stiff and they don't open up all the way to 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 do their normal suction eating where they open the mouth and they they flare their gills and the thing goes in um what i observed that led me to to make a, a two and one eighth inch long tube which catches fish you know 
year round, but it it was it was winter river smallmouth fishing that I, you know, developed it. Is that we'd fish a, a regular three and a quarter inch tube, which still isn't a big profile, and you'd get a bump, and you'd set the hook, and you would get the head of the tube, no tentacles, and here's the curve of the the hook. Like he missed the hook by just a little bit. Like he he grabbed the tentacles and was just holding on to it, and you can feel him moving, and you set the hook, and it just ripped the tentacles off. So it was one of those moments where I'm out there, I'm like, I just you know I need a tube that's smaller than you know three and a quarter inches. Three and a quarter inches is too big for him in winter. And uh, you know I started making my own, and um, you know we we dipped. I can't tell you how many tens of thousands of tubes, you know, um, 16 of them at a time in these things that, you know, we dip down into the plastisol and turn them up. And we had a a machine that we would slide them in with stacked razor blades where you would put your one hand here, one hand here, and this big stacked razor blade things that come down and chunk and would, would cut the tube tentacles. Like, you know, it was it was a guerrilla manufacturing type effort in, in our garage and basement to try and keep up with the demand of of these handmade lures, which was yeah. just crazy. Like it ate up a ridiculous amount of time um, for for what we could charge for them. Um, but small baits do the trick. Small simple baits. Uh, if you're going to tie a hair jig, a really simple one, a really good one that always works is a single uh, three-inch strip of rabbit zonker. Just the rabbit strip, the rabbit hide, and just... You know. Three-inches long... Razor blade, you can just buy them, you know. But I like to take this knife and slice them so that it's a little bit more sparse. And on that, you put in the it's going to lift. Like the Zenith plastic is going to lift. That's a very easy air jig that anyone can tie. Uh, you dress the neck with a chenille that's brown, and um, you know you you use that chenille as a, a reservoir for the the scent. It's really motion hair has, but you can you can you know smush that um, you know the scent in that chenille, and it'll it stank. Um, I will throw spinner baits. I've actually caught them on crank baits in winter um it's it's rare you have to know when to fish when to slow roll a spinner bait or to or to really slowly grind a crankbait i mean as slow as you can keep it moving but it's still just chipping the bottom um and, and that's that rare um that rare day where you have a freakishly warm front come through and and you have some warm rain that comes in the kind you know the kind of day where uh you have a warm front that comes in and it and it puts down some rain and it warms up and raises the river that's when you can in winter back away from your uh your let it sit presentation you're setting the trap instead of enticing the bite uh if the river, river is rising and 
and if it was a warm rain that that is making it rise in winter or late winter early spring uh, that's when you want to come off of the the let it sit presentation and move to the all right we're going to have something moving but we're going to move it as slow as we possibly can and just and just strain water you know yeah. um in terms of finding those winter holes there's a really good video on the um on my youtube channel of i think it's called what what does a good fish 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 evenly spread throughout and then september it's more concentrated where nothing and then fish 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 and then nothing fish 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 and then by fish 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 nothing fish 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 you you see the see the concentration in certain areas where they draw into these winter holes that's how you that's how you learn where winter holes are um you know there's so much to be learned in late October, early November of where winter holes are, because by then they've made a pretty good run, you know, and, and started to get close to those areas, but they still want to eat. They're still going to chase down a rattle trap. They're still going to hit a spinner bait on a current seam, um, but they're near where they're going to be in December, January, February, March. Um, so there is a process. And, and when you find a good, good winter hole, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's a valuable thing. You you put your time in to find it, and uh, you know maybe you don't share that with with everyone. You you share it with someone who maybe is is going to go float a different section and share and tell you, hey, I found them over here. We're going to do my float this weekend. Next weekend will be yours. Um, that's what you hope for in in you know <laughs> in a good fishing buddy is someone who who's not only going to um, expand your knowledge of, of where some good spots are, but you know, um, that you, you know, you're, you're helping them and they're helping you. So. Yeah. Very, Very cool. cool. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on tonight. I think we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, okay. is there anything else you'd like to add before we, uh, end this podcast? Sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly a fun time in, in kayak fishing. Uh, I have one of the funnest jobs in the market in, in, uh, working for Torquedo. Um, I travel a ton. I travel a whole lot. Um, this coming year, one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the different KBF and BASS, and there's another one that is, uh, it's called Slay Nation, which isn't just yeah. kayaks, but it's, you guys know what it is. It's yep. John Boats, yep. Canoes, and Kayaks, but it's electric only. Um, so I'm going to go to those tournaments and then some saltwater tournaments, and I will be there. My goal is to get to the big tournaments where there's going to be, you know, big concentrations of kayak anglers uh, at tournaments that allow motors. Um and I'm going to show up, you know, two, 
a day ahead of time or maybe two days ahead of time during that period of time where people are pre-fishing to say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to be at this launch for the next two days. Please swing by. Um, I will have a Hobie Pro Angler 14, a Bonafide SS-127, a New Canoe Pursuit, and a Wilderness Systems Attack 140. And we can, you know, I'll have that three horsepower motor on all of them at some point. But the idea is that I'm going to get there and I'm going to be a traveling demo day. So cool. if, if you're interested in in um, seeing what it feels like to go seven mile an hour in a kayak, um, find me. I will be I will probably be at a tournament near you uh, in the next you know upcoming year. I'm also going to be at the demo days of some of our dealers um, like Appomattox. I think I'm doing Mountain Man up in New York State um there's some other ones so you know very cool th there'll be opportunities but definitely if you're interested in in trying a torpedo um you know um definitely you know be watching uh torpedo kayak fishing on facebook and uh hopefully um you know i can meet you and uh let you uh test one of my boats very cool man are you going to be at the national championship absolutely every Very year cool. i'm there yeah i'm gonna track yep. you down that'll be one of the ones <laughs> where i'll have i'll have a couple days of, of uh you know hey come come find me and you know i'll be at this launch and and uh you guys can test them out very cool awesome well jeff i do appreciate you man taking the time to come on the, the episode you know like i said jeff did this really quickly um, I know how busy you are. We've all, you know, everybody who follows kayak, you know, fast fishing just a little bit has seen plenty of Jeff Little videos, especially <laughs> with your, you know, it's really cool because it's been, it's been fun watching you go from shop to shop to shop too, because you're not just like taking your boat and you're like, oh, here it is. You're like, hey, give me a kayak. Let's put this thing on here. Here's how we installed it. This is the speed we got, you know, and you're giving everybody, you're answering those questions everybody's got in their heads. And they're just like, right. you know, uh, I, I won't know this until I actually put one on. And it's just, it's, it's refreshing to see that you're, you guys aren't scared to, you know, get that information out here. And they're like, they just, it gives you the idea. Like, how's that going to perform on a big rig? What's it going to do on, you know, the bonafide? Like what's its speed, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's cool seeing all the different boats and, you know, it's, it's, it's been quite interesting to watch your journey so far on that. So I congratulate you on, man. You got you got this dream that all these guys in these plastic boats right now are like, oh, I really want to do this for a living. And Jeff's like, thank you. <laughs> now come demo, guys. <laughs> so it's it's awesome though. But we we do really appreciate you coming out here, man. Absolutely. Right. I I was a lot of it is a lot of work work and it's a lot of fun at the same time so yeah. thank you for, for having me on absolutely man all right well we'll go ahead and wrap it up um if you guys have any questions for jeff we will make sure that we tag him in the show post and you know you can direct any questions obviously through him through social media um you know if you have any questions for us in regards to the interview or anything like that always feel free to reach out on our social media platforms uh brian you got anything else to add tonight that's it, my man. 
All right. Well, Brian, won't you take us out with your usual outro? Well, I was going to say that, but I was like, with the Torquedo, it's not like tight lines and smooth pattern <laughs> like usual. Like, uh, it should be tight lines and smooth torquing or something like that, you know? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Tight lines and smooth torquing. <laughs> there we go. That works. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody have a great night. Thank you. Absolutely. See you guys. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle, the letter N in fin.com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N in fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media. We're doing giveaways, announcements, things like that at Facebook and Instagram at paddle and fin. Shout out to our show supporters, Rocktown Adventures, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, Hammered Lures, Fish Mob Lures, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the paddle and fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jig Masters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water.